Now remember last week's gospel, uh, the prodigal son. And remember the reason Jesus told the parable about God's great mercy was because uh, the Jews were complaining that he was spending all this time with sinners. You know, they're complaining he's spending all this time with sinners. So he tells the story about how the father treats sinners, how he's always looking for them to come back and rejoicing about sinners coming back, right? He loves sinners. He loves to spend time with sinners. Um, and this is a great scandal to the, particularly the scribes and the Pharisees, because the scribes and the Pharisees didn't think that, you know, a, a, a great teacher like him should be spending time with sinners. He should be spending time with, you know, good people like them. <laughs> You know, you should only be spending time with righteous people, not sinners. So, so they keep testing him over and over. And here's another test. And it's a despicable, horrible test, what they do. It's a horrendous thing they do. They bring this woman and they say, you know, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. All these men parade this woman in front of everybody else. She's been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Well, consider that first of all. Which one of, their, of them was there as she was committing the very act of adultery? <laughs> she must have had a participant, but they weren't blaming him, right? So they basically sought to entrap this woman so that they could use her as this example and bring her before Jesus and test Jesus, right? And they were basically just treating her in a utilitarian fashion. They could, they could care less about this woman. They were willing to kill this woman, to murder this woman, just to prove a point, right, before the Lord. They were willing to, to allow the Lord to say, kill her, let's kill her, and to, to, to murder her in this fashion. Of course, to them, it wouldn't have been murder because in their mind, she deserved death for her crimes, for her sins. And, and for them, it was all about upholding the law. For them, it was all about, you know, being able to say, well, we fulfilled the every iota of the law, right? There's no room in their minds for mercy. There's no room for forgiveness. She committed the crime. She committed the sin. She deserved death. And if Jesus was going to uphold the law of Moses, he should say it. And if he didn't say it, they could catch him. Right? And they could discredit him before all the people. And they, then they could accuse him of not upholding the law of Moses. And they could say, well, he's obviously, you know, an erroneous teacher. He's a fraud, etc. So they bring this poor woman and, and try to use her as an example. And of course, we know what Jesus did, right? And it's an interesting response because he doesn't fall for the trap. Instead, he says, okay, well, if you're going to be her executioner, right? Those of you who haven't sinned, go ahead and execute her. Those of you who have not sinned, throw the first stone. Those of you who are not guilty, those of you who don't deserve what she deserves, go ahead, go ahead, start the execution. And we're told that 
you know, one by one they walk away, beginning with the elders. Because the elders knew, right, having lived a long life, they knew that they were, were sinful. They knew they were full of sin. In that moment, those men knew what, what kind of frauds they were. Right? The Lord spoke into their hearts. Right? And they got caught up in this ridiculous uh, plot and scheme. And they were ashamed, and they should have been ashamed. The recklessness and carelessness the malevolence with which they treated this woman, all seeking to prove some minor point. And they walk away ashamed of themselves as they should have. And so then the Lord is seemingly carefree, writing in the sand and looks up at the woman and says, is anyone left? No one's left, sir. No one's left to condemn you, no one. And what's interesting is we're not told that the woman goes through any kind of conversion here. We're not told that she, you know, she, she says she's sorry for what she's done. I'm not saying she doesn't manifest contrition, okay? But we're not told that she does, right? The men are obviously walking away and dropping their stones or whatever, there seems to be some clear indication that they're ashamed and they're sorry for, for what they had done because they're leaving. But she's just kind of standing there, you know, having been horribly embarrassed and mistreated. But we're not really told that she is repentant. I'm not saying she isn't. But that's not the focus of the story. The focus of the story is what Jesus says. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Neither do I. Here's a woman who clearly had sinned. And the Lord says it next. Don't sin any longer. So he's not denying that she sinned. But the Lord, looking at her in her sinfulness, is not focused on her sinfulness. He's focused on making sure she understands he has mercy and love for her. The Lord loves her and has mercy for her even in her sinfulness. This is the focus of, of what the Apostle John is seemingly trying to get across. The Lord says to her, neither do I condemn you. And the Lord is the one who can condemn. He's the only one who would have the right to say, well, look, you know, and he could bring out the finger and start to wag it at her and say, you shouldn't have, what were you doing? You shouldn't have put yourself in the position. You know, he could have done all that stuff, but he doesn't. She's already suffered enough, frankly. Instead, you know, he says, I don't condemn you either. And what does this tell us about Jesus? What does it tell us about Jesus in relationship to our sins? Over the years, many, many people have, uh, have come to me and they've said, you know, Father, I, I, I still feel so bad about all of these things I've done in my life. 
Have you confessed them? Yes, I've confessed them. Can I confess them again? Well, there's not really a need to confess them again. They're already forgiven. Yeah, but I still feel bad. I'm still holding on to it. You know, I feel bad for how, how, I, how I parented my kids. You know, the failures that I have as a parent or the things I did in my youth or the offenses against my spouse or the offenses against my parents, whatever it is. We have a tendency to hold on to our sins. We're ashamed. We continue to feel the guilt. And our Lord has already, I mean, if we've confessed, our Lord has already let it go. And what this gospel tells us is even right after having, if you will, committed the sin, our Lord is not condemning us. I mean, he, there's no action here of the Lord saying, I forgive you to the woman. He's not even forgiven her, seemingly. I mean, presumably that maybe takes place, but there's no indication that it has. The indication is that he hasn't condemned her. She hasn't, we don't even know if she asked for forgiveness. And so the facet of this you know, we don't, we don't know about the whole forgiveness element and how maybe that played out for the woman. But what we do know is that the Lord does not condemn us in our sinfulness, even though he could. That even right after we've sinned, the Lord is loving us and having mercy. Does he want us to, to ask for forgiveness? Of course he does. Does the Lord want us to repent? Of course he does. We know that. You know, he said that elsewhere in the Gospels, right? We have to take all of that into consideration. Of course, he wants that too. But what it tells us, you know, it's kind of like a parent. I mean, how many times have you seen your kids do things and you think to yourself, oh, geez, here they go again. They're going to do it again. I know they're going to do it again. And then they do it again. And you th I'm, I can only imagine what you think to yourself. But you don't, you don't condemn them. You're probably mad at them, but you still love them. But you would never think of condemning your children. You know, you, you, might, you might want to yell at them. <laughs> you know, you might, have a, might want to have a choice word for them. You might not be quite as merciful as the Lord is, but you would never condemn your children. You know, you would never condemn them to an eternal fate of damnation. You would never do that. You would always hope Right? That even in their mistakes, that they would turn it around somehow. You'd always be on their side. A parent is always on the side of their children. So maybe it's similar, right, with God. He's always on our side. He's always working with us, saying, look, get it, get it together. It's kind of what he says to the woman. All right, this was a horrible experience you just went through. But let's get it together. You know, just don't do it again. I love you. I have mercy for you. Let's move forward. And so let's think of, you know, as we think of our sins and we think of our failures, let's remember our God is not condemning us. He's not trying to find ways to make us fail even, even more. It's not focusing on our failure. He's helping us to succeed. He's always trying to move us up, move us forward, moving us closer to himself. Please stand.